One of the Bibles to Acts chapter 2, page uh, 1094 in the Chapel Bibles. Uh, I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. It's the last few verses of the chapter, uh, page 1094. If you've got that handy, just give you a moment to find it. And... uh, because we're sort of at the, the beginning of a new year, beginning of a new term, uh, I've chose this, uh, chosen this passage because it's, it's a passage about kind of essentials, things that are essential to the church, things that are of first importance. So as we begin this new season, just an opportunity to refocus on the things that should be important to us. So let me read Acts chapter 2 verses 42 to 47. Uh, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and goods, they gave to anyone as they had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread together in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Father, thank you for your words to us this morning. Uh, May our hearts and minds be open and attentive to what you want us to hear for Jesus' sake. Amen. I wonder what you are devoted to. Uh, I was uh, just looking up in the dictionary what devotion means and uh, looked up in the thesaurus. And uh, it's all about being uh, zealous and passionate and committed. And um, who is it who's devoted? Uh, This is uh, Luke, the writer of Acts, sort of summarising the the kind of the, the explosion into life of the church after the resurrection of Jesus the day of Pentecost when the church, the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. And the they in verse 42, well, if you look back to verse 41, uh, those who accepted his message, so his is the Apostle Peter who's told them about Jesus, told them about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, they said, what should we do in response to what Jesus has done? Uh, Peter said in verse 38, repent and be baptised, every one of you. Whenever I read that verse, I always think of dear Bob. Uh, who lived next door and came to faith in about the age of 80. And uh, I was preaching on that passage one Sunday morning and he came up afterwards and he said, I should be baptised, shouldn't I? So we baptised Bob at the age of 80. So I always think of him when I read that verse. Repent and be baptised, every one of you. Uh, Verse 41, those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So that's um, that's quite good church growth. Oh, sorry. Uh, yes, it is. Yes, it's recording. I'm being recorded. Uh, so, um, uh, so, that's good. So, uh, so they've gone from about, I think, 120 disciples on the day of Pentecost to 3,000. And they're devoted to these things. These things are sometimes called the four marks of the church. The apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. And we know these things, but are we devoted are we devoted to them? Are we passionate about them? I, I have a, 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 a sort of friend, acquaintance, a guy that I know in the village, who um, he and his son are football season ticket holders. But they're football season ticket holders for Doncaster 
football club. Now, Doncaster is not round the corner, is it? It's a 400-mile round trip. Every Saturday, when Doncaster are playing, they drive to Doncaster, they watch their team play, they go out for a meal, and they come home. Now, that's devotion. It may also be stupidity, but it's certainly devotion. That's a 400-mile round trip, pretty much, you know, in the season, every Saturday... And their devotion is expressed in the time that they give to it and the cost of driving to Doncaster and back every Saturday. That's kind of, you know, they're not half-hearted about their passion for Doncaster. They are devoted. And that's the sense of this, these first Christians who were gathered, who by and large were, were Jews. Maybe one or two Gentiles. There are, there are one or two um, uh, 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 um, converts to Judaism in Rome, because on the day of Pentecost there are people from all over the known world who, who rock up at, uh, at that time. So, but it's mostly a Jewish, uh, Jewish audience, Jews who've, who've recognised that Jesus is their Messiah, but now they are devoted, they are zealous, they are passionate to these things. Well, why? Well, really, just because of Jesus. It's all about Jesus. If we're passionate about anything as the church, it's where we're passionate about Jesus because he's the one who changes our lives. He's the one that God sent. Uh, He's the one who has revealed the goodness of God to us. How do we know what God is like? We look at Jesus. How do we know that God is loving and compassionate? Because we see it in Jesus. How do we know that Jesus came to forgive our sins? Because he told us. How do we know that Jesus' death on the cross changes everything? Because he told us that that was what was going to happen. He told us that was why he was going to die. And then they watched him die and they're all devastated because they didn't expect it. Even though they told him he was going to die, it kind of went in one ear and out the other. They didn't have any, any framework that that fitted into. So on Good Friday when Jesus dies... The, the, the disciples, are, they're devastated, they're disillusioned. But then, the turning point of history, the resurrection, Jesus is alive. And so that's why they suddenly have this devotion to a whole new way of life. It's because of Jesus. And if we are devoted to anything in, the, in this life, if we're devoted to the life of the church, it's not because we love the church, it's because we love Jesus. It's because Jesus died on the cross. We are just the community of people who who love Jesus because of what he's done for us and the love that he's shown us. He's the one who's changed our lives. And these 3,000 who are are devoted to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer, they're devoted to these things because they've seen Jesus. And they've had the privilege of living through the history. We've just heard about the history. They had the privilege of living through it. They were there in the crowd when Jesus was crucified and they were there when Jesus rose and started appearing and that's why they're there are we devoted the problem is you know I've been a Christian a long time now uh, 41 years nearly 42 years since I came to faith in did I get that maths right 17, 14, yes, 42. you get to the age where you have to work out how long you've been a Christian <laughs> but I've been a Christian for a long you know a long time and when you've been around something a long time it, it's kind of easy just to, you just take it for granted. You get complacent about it. It's, it's just, well I, well, I live my life, but, you know, I kind of add these things on and I kind of do these things. Am I, am I as devoted to Jesus as I was 41 years ago when he changed my life and I realised my, 
my sins were forgiven and he died for me on the cross, that he loved me so much that that's what he'd done. And I just thought, well, if he's done that for me, what else can I do other than devote the rest of my life to him? Am I as passionate? I want to be as passionate now as I was 41 years ago. On on my, my, my dying day, my dying breath, I want to be as passionate about Jesus as I am now, I was um, talking to a friend this week and uh, they just said it's a new uh, bunch of uh, staff members joined their organisation and uh, many of them have come from overseas and they were going around the room uh, and they're saying, well, just um, tell us your name, where you're from and your favourite hobby, your favourite hobby. So this particular lady said, uh, well, my name is Mercy, I'm from Zimbabwe and my favourite hobby is telling people the good news of Jesus Christ. The what a great hobby. <laughs> On my dying day, I hope that's still my, my greatest hobby, is to tell the good news of, of Jesus. Well, if I, if I want to be as devoted to those, to those things, then I can't just sit back. I've, I've got to be intentional about doing some stuff. And uh, this early church, these early Christians, they were devoted to some things. And I just want to um, unpack them briefly, as briefly as possible. So, firstly, they're, they're devoted to the apostles' teaching. Now we think, we think, well, we've, oh, we've got the Bible. We've got the Bible. We've got all of Paul's letters, which are so rich. When they were started to being devoted to the apostles' teaching, um, uh, Paul was still Saul, who didn't believe in Jesus, thought Jesus was, uh, was really bad news. Uh, Saul was a passionate Pharisee devoted to Judaism, and he's about to start rounding Christians up and having them put to death. So they didn't have the benefit, as we do, of Paul's letters and the richness of uh, God's revelation through those letters. They don't even have the, the Gospels. Those haven't been written yet. All they have are what Jesus has told them. That's what they have. The Sermon on the Mount that we've just been going through over the summer, that's what they had. And none of it's written down. It's all remembered. That's how history is passed on. It's, it's um, hugely expensive to write anything down. That's one of the reasons for thinking that Jesus, you know, was sort of dynamite that blew up the world. Because why would you write the history of a poor carpenter from Nazareth? You just wouldn't do it. It's very expensive. Parchment is very expensive. Even Roman emperors just got a couple of paragraphs. If you're going to go to the trouble of writing a lot of stuff down about someone, they've done something important. That has changed the world. But they don't even have that yet. It's all oral. That's how history is passed from generation to generation. And oral recollection in the ancient world is very accurate. Because that's the only way you have to pass on your customs and your history. You've got to remember it. You've got to pass it on. That's what they have. They've learnt Jesus' teaching. And they are devoted to it. Because they want to remember it. And because they want to live it out. They want to live it out because Jesus has so changed things. And so they have to keep going back to it. The problem, if you don't keep going back to it, then you forget. Uh, I was just as I, bizarrely, as I was um, thinking of illustration, I was thinking about the, you know, the chapel dustbin. <laughs> the chapel dustbin, which I have explained on a number of occasions <laughs> how to use it, and still people get it wrong. Because there's nothing written down. What I need, you know, need to do is a list of instructions next to the dustbin to explain there's a foot pedal. The way you open the lid is with the foot pedal. You don't, 
Because when you look at it, you think, oh, it opens that way, but it doesn't. The hinge is at the back. So what people do is, because it looks like that's how it should work, people keep ripping the lid off. <laughs> and um, so we need to keep going back to the teaching about the dustbin, because you keep forgetting how to do it. There's a foot pedal. Press the foot pedal. The flap will open. It's, um, I, was, uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this, Cynthia. Yeah, we're just, we're just, I, was, I was passing on the Apostles' teaching this morning about how to fill and use the coffee machine <laughs> to Cynthia. And um, I guarantee next Sunday, you just watch Cynthia trying to work the coffee machine and um, see whether or not she's been devoted to the teaching that I gave her this morning. Alison might be back. No, no, no. No, Alison's going to be away. She's on holiday. You've got two weeks. So... <laughs> But this is the thing. You've got to be devoted. It's this thing of devotion. You've got to be intentional. You've got to pay attention. And, and, have, and have a good memory. And in, in, in the ancient world, people had very good memories because not a lot was written down. We're used to everything being written down. So, um, you know, we're lazy when it comes to memorising stuff. But they're passionate about the apostles' teaching because the teaching of Jesus has utterly transformed the world it has utterly changed the world i i haven't read it it's on my list of books to read glenn scrivener's book the air we breathe which i i just hear is phenomenal i've read the book that kind of think kind of inspired him to write it which is another book by the historian tom holland called dominion but basically the way we think is because of jesus so if you come across an atheist who thinks we should care for the poor He's actually believing in the teaching of Jesus because before the teaching of Jesus, there was no, no expectation that those who were wealthy should care for the poor. Before Jesus, that did not exist. It's only because of Jesus. So if you find an atheist who cares for the poor, they're on their way to becoming a Christian because, the, because what they do is because of Jesus. Every, everything that we do. Jesus' teaching transformed the world. The fact that we... Uh, you know, we think children are important and that we should look after children. The fact that we think women are important and we should look after women. You know, all of these things, none of them were there before Jesus. What he did utterly transformed the world. And the danger is if we're not devoted to the apostles' teaching, we have the benefit of this book. I am devoted and more and more devoted to reading this book. So my and uh, my personal discipline is I read this book cover to cover every year. Now, I'm not saying you should, you should do that. For many years, I didn't do that. The older I've got, the more passionate I've become. And probably the last, I lose track, eight or nine years, I've read this book cover to cover. Some of it's effort. I have to say, I skipped some of the genealogies. Oh, boy. You know, <laughs> you get to the book of numbers and you, you give up hope. But uh, I have to say, I do skip some of the lists of names. But... Um, but, you know, I'm devoted. I'm devoted to it because it's the book of life. And I, and I love it. And I start every day reading this book. And it sets me up for the day because I'm reading about God's, you know, God's truth. So be devoted to this book. When I first became a Christian 41 years ago, I read like two verses a day. I had like a five-minute time with the Lord in the morning. And I read like two verses. I thought about it for 30 seconds and I said a little prayer. That was where I started. And over time, my devotion has grown. But it was because I started intentionally. So I'd encourage you, be intentional about 
the apostles' teaching about all of this. And there are so many ways to do that. Um, you know, download the Version app. Some of you are looking blank. If you're looking blank, find someone who's not looking blank and get them to explain how to do that. But uh, there are printed things as well. But you know, just be intentional about feeding your soul with the richness of God's word. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They were devoted to the fellowship. This is a kind of funny New Testament word, which is, is kind of more than friendship. It, it's about a new way of living. It's about a new way of being a community of people. And we've... You know, it was just beautiful this morning in the way we were able to pray for, you know, to pray for one another and to pray for Brenda and Ian. And, and for, you know, that's fellowship. It's more than just a friendship. It's about a new way of being community. Uh, it kind of links into um, to verse 44. We're, we're so blasé about this verse. We just kind of read it and don't really kind of cotton on to it. This is an extraordinary verse, an extraordinary thing. All the believers were together and had everything in common. All the believers were together and had everything in common. You just think, yeah, yeah, fine. This is, I mean, this is dynamite. This is so revolutionary. This is not how society functioned 2,000 years ago. People didn't have everything in common. People were divided along strict lines. So the three big divisions in, in the ancient world 2,000 years ago were you were, uh, you were either a Jew or a Gentile, and the two didn't meet, uh, you were either you were either slave or free, and the two didn't. You know, you were, you were one or the other, and you were male or female, and those were the big dividing lines in society. And you knew which side of the line you were. Uh, you know, obviously, if you were a man, you knew which side of that line you were on. But you know, you knew which side of the dividing line you were on. That was how society was structured. And if you were rich, well, you were rich. You didn't care about the poor. You had a lot of slaves. I didn't really care about them. They're, they're, they're just... And suddenly there's this new community of people and, and we discover this as the church grows and as Paul starts to write his letters to the church that he's planted that there are, there are rich people, there are poor people, there are slaves, there are free, there are men, there are women and suddenly they are, have become united as one family. Now in the ancient world that would have been extraordinary. That would have raised eyebrows. That would have been, what on earth is going on? Why on earth are you breaking all of these social taboos? Well, it's because they found a new identity, which is now not in any of those things. Their new identity is in Jesus Christ. Uh, when I first became a Christian, I did memorise some scriptures. And one of them was um, in Paul's letter to the Galatians, Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, where he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So all of these barriers have been overcome by this common identity in Jesus Christ. And I always, you know, whenever I go to a church and all the churches that I've had the privilege of leading, I always look around and I think, who else could gather together this disparate bunch of people in one place with a common purpose it's jesus whether we're rich or poor male or female you know, whatever our circumstance it's jesus who glues us together because he's first and foremost in our lives as christians and they were they were devoted to one another and one of the things i love about this little chapel is that as a as a family we are devoted to one another we do live that out I, as best as we can we are devoted to one another when there's 
a need, where there's a concern, where there's an illness. We're devoted to one another. But it's not something that occurs naturally in the world. People tend to group with people who are like them. That's how the world works. You, you associate with people who you like and, who, and people who have your shared interest. That's how the world kind of stratifies. Well, the church isn't like that because what holds us together is the Lord Jesus. But they were devoted. And we express that devotion in, in, in making it a priority to be in fellowship with, with one another. You know, I go to... Um, you know, when I travel to, um, uh, to Pakistan, uh, I worship with people who, who think, well, is something going to happen this morning? Is someone going to come in and disrupt my, you know, disrupt our worship? Is someone going to come in with a, you know, and disrupt what we're doing in some way? So they think, well, there's a cost. There's a cost to turning up to worship. There's a cost to being in fellowship. But because they're devoted... They count that cost and they're prepared to pay it. Uh, in, our, you know, in our culture where currently at the moment we are still at liberty to worship in whatever way we want, we can think, ah, oh, well, you know, I've got something better to do today. And, you know, sometimes there are things that, are, you know, that we need to do, but actually what's more important than being in worship and being in fellowship and expressing our devotion for one another and um, that was what they were devoted to and it it made them stand out and uh, in this passage at the beginning as we read people were in awe people were in awe of them they were like wow these people are really weird and they're doing some really strange things but we like the look of it that quite quickly changes and quite quickly people don't like the look of it and quite quickly the emperor doesn't like the look of it and quite quickly Quickly, Christians who are gathering together in this way and standing out are being crucified and put to death. It doesn't stop them being devoted to the fellowship. Sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard, but they love one another and they love one another because Jesus has loved them. How are we doing? Oh, gosh. Uh, uh, we'll rattle through these two. The breaking of bread. The break of bread. Oh, let me just read. I was just going to read. We mustn't... Um, uh, I was going to say with... Uh, uh, the, um, yeah, being devoted to the apostles' teaching. There's a danger if we're not. Uh, Paul writes to his young protege, Timothy, and he writes this in his second letter. Uh, he says, The time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. That's why we need to be devoted to the apostles' teaching, because if we're not, that's the dangerous road that we may go down. Okay, two minutes and two more points. Okay, devoted to the breaking of bread. I'm not going to say much about that, because Alan's going to speak all about that next, uh, next Sunday. But, um, but just say, why are they devoted to, to the breaking of bread? Why are they devoted to communion? Because it reminds them that they are all about Jesus. As we've prayed this morning, it reminds them that they are not in God's good books because they've been good. They're in God's good books because Jesus died on the cross. He gave his life and that's why we break bread. It it humbles us. It means uh, whether we're rich or poor, wherever we are, we come to that table the same. 
because we're all in need of God's grace. And that's why Jesus commanded his disciples, whenever they met together, to break bread, because it reminds us of what he has done. And to prayer. We've prayed this morning. Why are they devoted to prayer? Because they are now people of heaven. They're now citizens of heaven, as we are when we accept the Lord Jesus. And um, the writer to the Hebrews, he writes at the end of chapter 4, because of what Jesus has done for us, he says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Uh, When we read that word prayer, we probably instinctively think of intercessory prayer and of praying for things and asking God to do things. That's not prayer. Prayer encapsulates the wholeness of our freedom to be in relationship with the Father. That's what prayer is, to come boldly and confidently into God's presence and share with him our lives. I've started to, since the summer, because I'm very restless and I get bored very easily and I've got the attention span of a gnat, I find it very difficult to sit and just listen because I immediately start thinking of other things and start asking for things. And I'm really trying to discipline myself at the moment when I pray in the morning just to wait, just to wait in God's presence and just to pause and then to give thanks and just enjoy God's company for a while. And then I do ask for things at the end, but I'm trying to discipline myself to be in that place of heaven. In Jesus, heaven has come to earth. That's our privilege as Christians. That's why they're, they're devoted to prayer. They're devoted to living in a, in a heavenly place where they meet with Jesus because he's the one that changes them. As a consequence of doing all of these things... The Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. It's when the church is devoted to these important things that the church grows. And when you look around and you see churches that are growing, by and large, they're churches that are devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. And as we begin this new season, this new term, I want to encourage all of us just to think about our devotion to these things and how is that devotion being played out in what we do and how we use our, uh, our time, our talents and our treasure. Uh, let's take a moment, let's pause for a moment and um, 